Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. again everybody and welcome back to another episode of consistently fit we're here to discuss a variety of topics we used to discuss bullying a whole lot and we still see that as a major problem interfering with the lives of many people students adults children parents and so on but the bottom line is right now we're looking to prevent it and we're looking to prevent it by helping people stay consistently fit and doing their best to stay physically, mentally, socially, and emotionally, and spiritually healthy so that we've discovered that when people are in that group where they're staying consistently fit, what what they end up doing is they feel a whole lot better about themselves, and there's a greatly reduced chance that they're going to bully other people they're going to develop more of a kind attitude, and certainly they're going to love themselves a whole lot more. And today, I am thrilled once again to have another person on Consistently Fit. Her name's Jenna Edwards, and she is from Minnesota, yes. and <laughs> she she wanted to make people laugh on TV, inspire change, and travel the world, but Life wasn't easy, and she was born to a teenage parent who split when she was three, and she had all manner of difficulty facing poverty, abuse, uh, and her, her mom took a stand, and they escaped. And in her early 20s, she set off for Los Angeles to make her dreams come true. She even landed a role on the legendary Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Jenna is, you know, just a tremendous gal. Uh, she's written a terrific book, and, and that book is is uh, show me the book again. Uh, show the me book the book is again. Aggressive optimism. It's called aggressive optimism. <laughs> aggressive <laughs> optimism. Um, and I think we all need a bunch of optimism, but I love the idea of the aggressive part. Uh, and she's overcome a lot of stuff, PTSD and so on. She's here to help other people deal with some of those issues that are related to PTSD. And she's on a mission to empower others through writing, producing, and inspiring them to face their own, as she calls them, big bads. <laughs> Remember, you have a choice. And will you stand up? I am thrilled to have Jenna Edwards with me today. Hi, Jenna. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. No, thank you. I thank you for the opportunity. It took <laughs> us a while to get to this point. <laughs> you know what? That's exactly what aggressive optimism is about. It's like, well, okay, we'll figure it out. 
It's like yes. acknowledge where you're at and then just be like, hey, this isn't working. How can we fix it? Or let's tweak it and that kind of stuff. So I love that there's a perfect example of us just being determined to get together and talk about this stuff, even though there were some roadblocks. <laughs> yes, there was. So how, well, let's let, let's go all the way back. Okay. How, did how far you, back you want to go? I'm ready. Yeah. How did you develop aggressive optimism? What what caused you to say, I am going to be optimistic and it's going to be something that I'm going to work on wholeheartedly and really put my mind and soul into this thing? You know, it's so funny because I have this vivid memory of when I was like, God, I want to say eight or nine, maybe 10. And I was at this amusement park with my grandpa. And I remember we were standing in line and it was really, it was long in front of us and it was a hot day. And he was, he was such a trooper, you know, I was so excited to get on this roller coaster and he was just there to support me. And he was like, oh my gosh, the line is so long. And I looked behind me and I was like, yeah, but it, we could be back there. And he looked at me and he goes, wow, you really are an eternal optimist. Mm -hmm. And at the time I didn't really know what that meant, but it stuck with me because it was just one of those core memory type moments where your grandpa looks at you and is impressed. Right. And mm -hmm. so throughout my life, I would flash back to that anytime somebody would mention the word optimism, but it wasn't until I was in my mid twenties, I had just gotten done with my role on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Technically I'm a slayer, which makes me my little like fan heart so happy because I love that show so much. Um, and I thought my dreams were coming true, right? Like everything is going to change. I've been dreaming about being an actor since I was three years old. Here I am on one of the biggest shows in the world. And I was buying oranges one day in the farmer's market in Santa Monica, California. And this elderly man drove down four blocks of people mm. and he killed 10 people. And he injured over 60 of us. And the man standing right next to me was one of the ones that didn't make it. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I always say like my brain broke. I didn't have a head injury, but I developed severe post-traumatic stress disorder. And I couldn't read. I stuttered when I talked. I forgot basic words. Like I was having flashbacks and panic attacks and not sleeping and all of these things. And um, once I regulated my chemistry and got to sleep, my optimism like came in full force, but because of all of these like roadblocks to my brain, almost I was, I had to be so aggressive and diligent and obsessed with looking at things from a positive, optimistic perspective, not toxic positivity, just like reality of, okay, I can either look at this from the perspective of pessimism or optimism. Those are the only two choices and you have to make a choice. And I made a very diligent choice and it wasn't easy. And that's why I call it aggressive optimism. That's where it came from. Okay. That's interesting. Sometimes we have to go through something in order to have a change yeah. in our thinking. Uh, and that was a horrible experience. Uh, yeah, it was no fun. No, no. <laughs> totally no oh my fun. God. I mean, you know, the, the number of people that were injured and, and killed was was incredible. So when you you talk about 
aggressive. Mm-hmm. What would aggressive be? I mean, does it mean you look through it? I'm sure it's not Pollyanna. And yeah, I'm sure absolutely not. I'm sure you're not looking at life through rose-colored glasses. I'm sure you're a realist when it comes down to this. But what does, a, I mean, give me some of this. Because, okay. Uh, you know, uh, I would love to know because I've been told that I kind of look at things from like a pessimistic standpoint. Oh, mm-hmm. you're a pessimist. I love a good challenge. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you Share know, some it's of this with me. I need help. Uh, <laughs> you can read the book. Okay. Um, the book, it's actually, I, I make it, I make a joke out of it, but that's exactly why I wrote it. So I wrote it as a novel mm-hmm. based on my experience because with post-traumatic stress disorder, at least the, the level I had, I, I don't remember everything detail wise, but I remember how it felt. And so, and I remember the tips and the tip tricks. I always say I have a huge toolbox when it comes to mental health techniques and, um, and therapies and all of that kind of stuff. And so in the book, I write about everything that you're talking about. Like I, I was told opposite of you where I was called a Pollyanna. I looked through things, you know, the world through rose colored glasses and that kind of stuff. And I started to kind of get a little bit angry when people would say that to me, because I was like, how come negative is quote real when the situation is still has some positive optimistic things in it. Right. So you can look at like a rainy day and say, Oh, it's so gloomy. And that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at a rainy day and say, the flowers are getting watered and this is great. Mm-hmm. So it just really depends on how you want to look at a situation, right? Like, but you can't deny it. I mean, what I went through, awful. I would not wish it on my worst enemy. And there were ways for me to heal mm-hmm. and techniques and people that helped me along my along the way. So the aggressive part to me is just believing it can get better and then committing to figuring it out. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I I talk about it sometimes with um my acting background in mind. And there's a game in um improv. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's called Yes And. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the perfect like exemplification of aggressive optimism. Because in yes and you're not allowed to say no. Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge the situation. And then say, yes, this sucks. Like there's no denying it. And I can choose to go down the path of optimism or I can choose to go down the path of defeatism. Mm -hmm. I think that's the difference. It's not a positive versus a negative. It's more of a optimist versus defeatist Mm -hmm. type of situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And if you're listening to this podcast, right now pay attention to that last statement because that's exactly what what it is i mean it's yes it's you you don't say no it's yes this whole thing is a wreck i i agree but there's something that we can do to take care of the problem and we'll work on it together or whatever you have to do 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm going to call on you. Swift. What What's the name of the gal right now that's so popular? She, oh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. All Taylor the hearts. Swift. I love her. Oh, <laughs> and um, it, from a standpoint of childlike, childlike, and mm -hmm. not, not being aggressively optimistic is childlike. But I have a daughter who my wife and I, my wife did. I met my wife a year after she had adopted Zoe from Ethiopia, who cool. is now going to be 14. She's going to be. Oh, uh, she needs to read the book. <laughs> um, who has the most incredible optimistic view of anyone I've ever met? How oh, do I, I love know that. This? How do I know this? Because. You know, she went on that tour and tickets were selling for like $3,000 a piece, you know, and of course we, we couldn't deal with it. You know, we didn't have that kind of expendable uh, income. Well, let's put it this way. <laughs> if, if, if we had to, in other words, it became this desperate thing where we had to do it. We probably, we, we might've done it. We might have done it, but we felt there was just better ways to spend money uh, than, you know, $6,000. Yeah, that's, that's a big chunk you of change. Know, uh, <laughs> I can't tell you what they'd put on my tombstone if I asked my father for $3,000. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> I didn't ask him for $3. But the point being, it was the idea, get on Ticketmaster and mm -hmm. stay on there forever. And we're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. But I'll be damned. We didn't get it. Okay. But she still, she still took it well. Took it oh, so good. well. It was incredible. When, when the woman came, she took it. And they ended up in the theater over here. They had the whole, con like the whole concert almost. You know, oh, that's so cool. In the theater where it wasn't live, it was the recorded version. And she mm -hmm. went with all of her Swifties and they went and the mothers and everybody went and they were dancing in the aisle and they had a great time. So- You, you know what? I love this story. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, I got no. excited. I love For this sure. story because I think it's important as we move through life to recognize that the goal that we're setting or the dream that we have might not look the way that we envisioned it, mm -hmm. but like the experience is really what the goal is, right? She got to go and be with her friends and um, have that like camaraderie experience that the Taylor Swift show mm -hmm. was all about mm -hmm. for a much less of a financial cost, right? Um, and that's the perfect example of what aggressive optimism is. It's like believing that you're going to get there, but maybe there doesn't look exactly the same as it did when you started out on the journey. Mm -hmm. That's it there. I'll get there, but there looks different. That's, yeah. That's beautiful. Did, did you hear that one? Pay attention. <laughs> you have to make sure you pay attention to some of this. Now, you know, in dealing with bullying, yeah, um, just as a, a matter of a, a little segue here, my whole premise was bullies need consequences and victims need resiliency. 
Mm-hmm. We Interesting. have to help them become resilient because they're going to have to do this on their own. And one of the biggest things that I, I wrote a short book uh, one time. Uh, I wrote a lot of stuff. It's all over the place. But the, the thing is, this one was called Courageous Conversations. Oh, I love that. How to help people have difficult conversations. And when you're a, and when you're a, a victim, you're always trying to find the words to have those conversations. Oh, I and, love that. Yep. It's so, why I wrote the book. Yeah. It's literally why I wrote the book. Continue, yeah. sorry. And I I saw a movie many years ago with Paul Newman and Bruce Willis and uh, Meg Ryan and a few others um, that, oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it. It was called oh. Nobody's Fool. Nobody's oh, yep. mm-hmm. Fool. And it was about three generations of people who were living in a small town in Minnesota. And <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> and the, the the little boy was afraid, afraid of a man that came into the bar where his grandfather went, who only had one leg, but he had a wooden leg. Mm. And long story short, you cut to the end of the show and um the guy falls off the bar stool and the leg falls off. Oh God. And, and the kid is there and, and he says to the kid, would you bring me my leg? And this kid is like petrified. He never even saw this thing. And Paul Newman was there and he whispered in the kid's ear. He said, remember, you only have to be brave for five minutes at a time. Mm. And, I always say seven seconds. Yeah. Well, there you like go. It doesn't Whatever even it have is. to be five minutes. Yeah. Yes. You, you don't I love that. Anything, but just a tiny bit. And then, you know what? Now, I, all right, I did that. I can go be a sissy again for a while. And then what I'll do is I'll be brave again some other time. You know, <laughs> not to be a sissy is bad. But the point <laughs> is, the, 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 the point being is, it's not something that I have to, I don't have to be, I can always remember somebody and I'm not, and I'm not going to go religious on you. They, they, they told me that Christ was, uh, that people often called him weak and they said, what you have to do is understand the difference between meekness and weakness mm. and meekness is power under control. And that's what we all need. Well, I think what's really interesting about everything that you just said is choice. Like, I feel like we oftentimes don't recognize how much choice we have in our own lives because we look at it externally and a lot of us, right? And so I feel like for me, the aggressive optimism attitude is a mindset workout. It's like a constant choice to look at the the productive step or I mean I I hesitate to use the positive, mm-hmm. the word positive because there's so much toxic positivity in the world, you know, where it's like just smile. It's like, come on, y'all. 
sometimes when you're going through it, like PTSD is a chemical imbalance. I always attribute it to like a broken bone. You wouldn't just tell somebody to like walk it off, you know, if they broke their leg. Right. And so it's a matter of acknowledging like, yeah, there's something wrong and I want to fix it and making the choice to just be so diligent about recommitting and recommitting and recommitting to that choice. Um, and to go back to what you were saying about bullying, you know, in the book I write that Nif is the main character and she is going through basically what I just described as my experience, you know, um, and, but it's set in high school. So of course you got to have a bully, right? <laughs> and the bully's name is Jessa. And throughout the book, um, so Jess is based on a few actual people I knew growing up, but a lot of her is based on my own internal mean girl mm -hmm. and the things that I would say to myself. And so as I started to heal from my childhood and the PTSD on its own and all the, all the things, right? Like we all have stuff that we want to heal or grow from. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize like hurt people hurt other people. Mm -hmm. Bullies are are people who have been hurt themselves. And the only way that they know to protect themselves is to put up those walls and be mean. Like, mm. I'm going to be mean to you first, because if I'm not mean to you first, you're going to be mean to me. I mean, not always. It's a generalization and I get it. But throughout the the book, um, Nif and Jessa have these interactions and Nif comes to realize like, oh, Jess is being bullied in a way by her parents mm -hmm. because her parents expect her to be perfect and, right. you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so there's this beautiful moment at the end of the book where they kind of acknowledge each other and realize like, we're all just human. We're all just human. And if we take our ego out of the situation, we'll do so much better. <laughs> mm -hmm. with life. You know what I mean? And so I feel like there's definitely a lot of um, language, tools, examples in the novel that these kids can, and parents too, can learn kind of like what you were saying earlier, how to have those conversations, how to, you know, spark a real discussion on, okay, here's how you work, right? Like you're going through PTSD and sometimes talking about it is really hard. So I'm not going to take it personally if you just need to lock yourself in your room for a minute, but you need to tell me that you're okay. Mm -hmm. You know, those types of things. Like, so I exemplify those through stories in the novel. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think it's important for all of us to realize we're all human and in that we all operate differently, but we're all having similar emotional journeys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's that emotional journey that brings us to a point that's, like you said, there, but not necessarily where we thought it was. Yeah, that's a, a, an interesting way to look at it. <laughs> it, it really is, uh, Jenna. Uh, and I, I, I kid you not, because um, there are so just, and I'm sure you'll like sink right into this. 
There are so many things. Well, all right, I'll I'll be vulnerable with you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I uh, got divorced, which seemed like a million years ago, and my ex-wife. What I did is I bought her out of the house and let her stay in the house for free. I never wow. paid the mortgage for her to stay in the house for free when the kids were very little. Hmm. And um, never knowing what the outcome was going to be, but we did have a little handshake agreement where we said, when the kids go to college or they hit 18, I want to move back in. Mm, now, I already, now I already own the house, right? So she agreed to that. Now, I had tremendous faith that she was going to abide by that. I never put anything in writing, never cared. People told me I was crazy. People said, how can you do this? You own the house, throw her out, and so on. But I had this thing in my head that I wanted to get somewhere. And where mm. did I get I ended up, I'm talking to you from the same house that I built 30 years ago. Oh, wow. That she lived in for 14 years for free. I'm remarried. Never thought that would ever happen. Renovated the house. It was a brand new house when I built it. But I got there. Mm. The The journey to there was awful hard. Oh, it was awful. and totally different from what you thought it was going to be. Yeah, right? and, and, yeah. And but, but I had the peace that I knew my kids never said dad took off and never took care. You know, they, they, they Absolutely. Were, my kids are very happy. You know, um, I'm very happy. I have a wonderful wife. She takes very good care of me. She was here for me through so many things. Amazing. Uh, and um there is very nice for me right now. And thank you for sharing that piece because I never looked at there from that perspective. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing an example from your own life. I know that's not easy for a lot of people. I, I tend to be an open book, so I, I forget how challenging sometimes it can be to like express that vulnerability, but I, it's a perfect example. And I would also say to anyone who's listening that just a little mindset shift for the aggressive optimist is like, how did that make you feel? Like you get to be proud of yourself for, mm -hmm. you know, giving your kids a safe environment to grow up in, you know, maybe removing your ex-wife from the equation altogether and looking at it even more of from the like all the good things like your kids got to grow up stable they got to grow up knowing you were there you get to feel very proud of that because that wasn't an easy thing to do right you know and i feel like we don't give ourselves enough credit for continuing to make the choice especially in the face of people telling you not to mm -hmm. you know like i always say optimism is an act of rebellion being yourself is an act of rebellion and um, for me, I like to be a little rebellious, right? But I'm not the typical rebel. And so I feel very honored and proud when I have gotten to wear 
I want to go, even though it may not look the same and the journey wasn't easy. So I, I applaud you. I say all of this to applaud you. Mm-hmm. You should be very proud of yourself for going on that journey. Well, it was a, a, a long journey, but the interesting thing you said that people are not uh, as apt by today's standards to share things with other people. And I think it has a lot to do with the idea that we have been, we've become so judgmental as a people. You know, and I don't want to be judged. You know, I mean, just walk, you only got to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes to realize what they're going through. And, you know, uh, it's, oh, go ahead. No, no, please. You know, I I don't, I, 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 this is your interview. And I, I I, I really, I really have learned a lot just in listening to you right now. I appreciate that. You know, it's interesting, right? Because I'm I'm having that experience right now with the book. The book is, it's so interesting, right? Because it's my story, but it's not my story, right? I wrote it as a novel so mm-hmm. that teenagers could relate to it. And um, because it's for teenagers, I'm having to overcome like these huge mental blocks around being judged because I'm not a teenager, how do I think I'm going to be able to relate to these, you know, kids that I want to empower and inspire? And so I'm every single day having to like remind myself that it's not about me. And that's how you get through being judged, mm-hmm. right? It's like if you have a purpose, if you have a mission, if you have a bigger reason for going live on Instagram or posting pictures or being active in social media, you know, like then it's, it makes it a lot easier. So I feel like we're always judged. Mm -hmm. We always have been, we always will be. It's just Mm -hmm. bigger now. And I feel like there's this great quote that I'm going to (laughs) butcher, but the essence of it is like, you're going to be judged either way. So you might as well be judged for the thing that you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, a, that's the, well, there it is again. <laughs> you know, it's that nugget that are you listening? Are, is everyone listening to that? You're going to get judged either way. So you might as well get judged for doing what you want to do, doing the best thing, doing what is good for you, doing what's good for your. You, so they're going to judge you. So you do what they want you to do. They're going to judge you anyway. Exactly. Because then you're going to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, well, I I wanted you to write this book. Like, it took me 15 years to write it as a novel because mm-hmm. people were telling me to write it as a, a nonfiction. And it just didn't feel right to me. Because, like I said earlier, you know, there were points in there. First of all, there's always three stories, right? Your story, my story, and the truth. And I didn't want to offend anybody because we're all human and I don't know what you were going through and you may have hurt me, but I doubt it was intentional, right? So I, 15 years of fighting those external voices before I really was like, you know what? You're going to get judged either way, write it the way you want to. Mm -hmm. And now it's here and I couldn't be more proud. Like, I love this book, and I hope that everybody listening will go and grab a copy, especially if you have a teenager, Mm -hmm. Um, because I really do think it can help. And just saying that someone's going to judge me. Who do you think you are? You know, like, I know somebody who's listening is saying that. 
And I don't think I'm anyone special. I just think I have a story that can help people. Mm-hmm. The end. So I'm not going to stop myself from talking about it anymore. I did that for a long time. Mm-hmm. My name's Jim Burns. You're listening to Consistently Fit, the Consistently Fit podcast. And I am speaking with Jenna Edwards. Jenna Edwards, Aggressive Optimism. That's her book. Uh, I And just in this short few minutes, a short 30 minutes or 40, whatever it was we were together, I've learned so much. So I, you know what? I'm going to ask her to send me a copy of her book. So I happily or the ebook or just, you know, the manuscript or something. So I could, I can really learn a whole lot more uh, from you. Um, She, I am happy uh, to share it. (laughs) uh, She's someone who's learned a lot along the way. And, you know, there was a book written many years ago. It was called getting to yes. Mm. Uh, and I read that, uh, now I think my new mantra is going to be getting to there. Oh, I like that. Whatever there is, let's, whatever there is, let's get to there. And, um, you're going to discover it may not look like what you think it did, what you really think it is. That was a great, great statement. Jenna, I want you to share everything that you can about your about any of your social media, uh, websites, email addresses, anything at all. I will take everything and I will put it into um, the uh, uh, the podcast description, so it'll get out there that way as well. But share with you awesome. everything you need to share. Awesome, I love it. Um, everything is on my website, jennaedwards.com. Uh, if you are an educator, we do have a bulk rate for the book if you want to bring into a classroom currently working with a guidance counselor and English teacher to write a curriculum for that so once the book comes out that should be available as well um on Instagram where I'm trying to be really active it's at Jenna Edwards official and I am so excited to announce that I'm an official Goodreads author as of yesterday so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so definitely check me out on Goodreads because I'll be blogging and I have a um, book club on there as well. Really nice. Very nice. Thank you. All of that is for everyone to digest. It was a pleasure interviewing you, Jenna. I really oh, it's great want, talking I, to I you. I had a wonderful time. Thanks for uh, moving up your schedule too. That was something I, I wasn't anticipating. Oh gosh. I'm again, It we got there. Yeah. And I'm so glad we did. We this got has been great. There. Yeah. <laughs> do, do not leave the screen once I end this piece. Stay okay. Here. Okay. Once again, folks, that was Jenna Edwards, Aggressive Optimism. Get the book. My name's, whoops, what in the world? Get the book. Get it now. You'll love it. I'm sure of it. Just from what I learned here, I'm thrilled. So thank you once again, Jenna. Thank you.